Psalm 42, let's read that together. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, Where is your God? I remember this. As I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in so much turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan, from the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send His faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones while all day long they say to me, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in so much turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word, and we thank You that Your Word gives words to express the anguish of our heart that we experience sometime as believers. Lord, I know that in this last year that many, in fact, most if not all of our congregation has experienced at least some point, some measure of discouragement. And so, Lord, I pray that Through this text, you would give words to express our hearts, but not only words to express our discouragement, but Lord, I pray also that you would give us hope and a pathway to deal with discouragement in our souls. Lord, I pray that you would bless us as we unpack this rich passage today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's very easy in our lives to get discouraged. And I know that in this past year, you have probably walked through seasons of discouragement because it has been extraordinarily difficult on so many different levels. Days, months, years, and decades don't go according to plan. You thought things were going to turn out this way and they end up turning out this way. And the difference between your expectation and reality can often lead to seasons and times of discouragement, whether they last for a night, whether they last for a week, or whether they last for even years. You can walk through times and seasons where you are discouraged. There are times in even one day's span where I can 
Wake up and be encouraged. And by the end of the day, be very discouraged and confused. You may have experienced this in this last year during the pandemic around all of the political and societal upheaval that we have experienced. You may have had moments or seasons or even weeks of discouragement. What you are experiencing is not something unusual. It's not something that believers don't know full well. In fact, we know that many pastors even have walked through times and seasons of discouragement. I think of Spurgeon and how many times he even walked through depression. Even the great Martin Lloyd-Jones walked through times of discouragement and depression. Sometimes John Piper says it feels like the devil is sitting on my head when my, I am on my pillow in the morning and I just don't want to get up. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt a sin or just a, not just a, the, the weight of the sin-sick world on your soul? And you look at the state of the world, you look at the state of your life, you look at the state of things around you, and you're just discouraged. Billy Graham talks about it as well. Billy Graham says the following. He said, Repeated disappointment almost always triggers a series of other reactions. Discouragement, anger, frustration, bitterness, resentment, even depression. Unless we learn how to deal, unless we learn to deal with disappointment, it will rob us of joy and poison our souls. It's so true. Even as a pastor, there have been seasons in my ministry. I've been pastoring for 15 years now. There's been seasons of ministry where I've walked through times of discouragement. Those distances between expectation and reality and even having psalms like this give much joy and purpose to my soul to see that God would see so fit in His sovereign, inspired, inerrant Word to give voice to what I'm feeling in my soul. And I want you to be encouraged and instructed with this passage today as well as we walk through it that yes, God knows. And God would know and ordain that you would have the encouragement of His Word of a fellow brother. This psalm from the sons of Korah, somebody who has walked through these times as well. Have you ever experienced discouragement spiritually? Maybe you haven't made as much spiritual progress as you would like. Maybe you look at the sin in your life and it, the same things keep creeping up in your life. The things that you thought that you had defeated come back and you're like, why is it still here? And you're frustrated with it. The way that you treat people, you thought you had made progress. The way that you battle against sin and it comes again. And you struggle and you get discouraged. You ever been in the moments of life when your relationship with God becomes a task list? Where you're just checking it off. Read the Bible, I prayed, I'm going through the motions, but there's no heart passion for God. 
Have you ever walked through those seasons of discouragement? If you have, you don't have to hide. You don't have to pretend that you're the only one. In fact, Satan wants you to pretend that you are the only one, that no one else has faced this temptation and this struggle. In fact, the Bible says exactly the opposite, that no temptation, no struggle has seized you except that which is common to man. The reason why passages such as this are in Scripture is because it informs us as believers that this indeed is the normal Christian life. Even as pastors you can walk through seasons such as this you go to church check you prepare sermons check you listen to people check but your heart isn't in it it can lead to times of discouragement even when things are going really really well read the life of Spurgeon in the midst of great revival there were sometimes he struggled to get out of bed <laughs> there were sometimes when he just went away to the sea and wrote in his journal I think I need to quit Even the great Spurgeon walked through that. One of the reasons I love this psalm so much is because they're so real. In fact, they are so real, they make us uncomfortable. Because we don't like to be real in our culture about our struggles. And as we read through this psalm, maybe even it gave words to your soul, and maybe even it made you feel a little bit uncomfortable to give word to the expression of your heart, those very things that our culture that says to put on a spiritual front instead of examining your heart and receiving the healing grace of God coming through a fellow struggler who has written a psalm that can give expression to our times of difficulty. So how do we respond when we walk through seasons, when we're crying out, God, where are you? What's going on? What is happening? How do we walk through seasons like this? In this passage, we have three main points, three main areas that the psalmist gives us that help us to respond to seasons of discouragement in our lives. The first is this. Number one, desire to have your soul's thirst satisfied with God. You know what? I think this is a prayer that is, sometimes it's, God, I am so thirsty for you. And sometimes I think we need to pray, God, make me thirsty for you. I want to thirst again for you, for your presence. Even as we sang that prayer earlier today, as the deer panteth for the waters, so my soul longeth after thee, O God. Sometimes the prayer in our soul needs to be, God, I'm not thirsty like I want to be. God, increase in my soul a deeper hunger and a deeper thirst for you and your righteousness. I'm so numb, but I don't want to be anymore. Bring me back to that place where I feel again. That's an okay prayer to pray. In fact, I think that would be a God-honoring prayer to pray, God, you're the only thirst quencher, and Lord, help me once again to be thirsty for you, for your presence, for your Spirit's work in my life, for your words. Desire to have your soul's thirst satisfied with God. The heart's desire of the believer who wrote this passage is to have a close relationship with God. In verse 1, he compares his desire for God with a deer who is 
panting, who is longing for the flowing streams. He's longing for God. He's thirsting for God, the living God, asking this question, when can I come and appear before God? He longs to not just know things about God, but to be in the presence of God. You know, there's a huge difference, isn't there? You can know a lot of things about God and still long to have the sweet presence of God. You may have a well-developed systematic theology that would agree with theologians through the ages and still have a longing and a thirst. Uh, Where are you? I long to be in your presence and to feel it once again, to, to know you deeply and passionately once again, to know the burning of my soul, to be satisfied with the drink that only you can give. And that's an okay prayer. That is what this psalmist is praying. In this last year, even right now, if we were to go in parts further south of where we are here in the northwest, if we go to southern Oregon, they are experiencing extreme drought right now. So much so where I saw in the news a couple of weeks ago that the irrigation has been shut off for many farmers in southern Oregon. They're experiencing just these incredible dust storms in fields that should be fertile if they had enough water. We know what it's like to have a dry and thirsty season in our land. Many of you have walked, that hasn't happened since I've been here, but many of you have walked through seasons when they have had water restrictions. You can only water your lawn on certain days. And even I've been told there are some years when they even shut off the watering altogether and your lawn just turns dry. I was talking to Todd and Scott just the other day when we were hiking in the wilderness and they told me about how when they were hiking last fall that some of the springs that we saw that were running and gushing and you could just drink water out of all day long that all of those streams last fall were completely dried up and they had to ask the person that was in the lookout over the mountain they were asking them is this last stream does it have is this last one this last spring does it have any water in it and they were hesitant to tell them that yes it does but it's just a trickle what do you do in those times in the seasons of your soul when it seemed like the at one time, the, the Spirit, the voice of God, the blessing of God, the presence of God was like a, a gushing fountain in your soul. But there are other seasons in the normal Christian life when it seems like it's just a trickle or maybe it seems like you pass by passage after passage or sermon after sermon or quiet time after quiet time and all you are feeling is just, where is the water that I once found in this well? Where is the water that I once found that was so refreshing? Where can I find it? And just like the ones in southern Oregon and just like the ones who were hiking this last fall, there can be seasons when you are thirsty, when you're feeling lethargic. Have you ever been dehydrated? If you've ever been dehydrated physically, it's not a very fun experience. You just long for a drink of water. You get sick, your body temperature rises, you feel lethargic, your eyes feel dry, they don't work like they should, your mouth is dry. All you want is water. That is what this believer is experiencing. And in fact, I think that those dry seasons in our souls, those dry seasons in our lives are meant to point us to the reality that 
there is a, the core aspect of our souls can only be satisfied with a drink from the well, which is our God, which is our Christ. God puts these seasons and allows these seasons to develop in our lives of dryness to cause us to long even greater for the water that can satisfy, to long for Him and His presence. This believer in this passage longs to have his soul satisfied with God. In verse 2, he says, I long, or I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? He doesn't want just historical information about God. He doesn't want just a systematic theology about God. He wants God. Now, on this side of the cross, this is an Old Testament saint who is writing these things. On this side of the cross, where do we find this living fountain? Where do we find this satisfaction of our thirst? We find it in Jesus. In John chapter 4, verse 10, it says this, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Ask Jesus, and he will give you that living water. So desire it, ask for it, expect it. And if you don't desire it, ask for the desire to be restored to your soul. Revelation chapter 7 verse 17 says this, For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to what? Springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The promise of our God in Revelation is that He is going to guide us. He is going to lead us. He is going to walk with us, holding our hands, showing us, no, those are dry wells. No, those are dry springs. I want to lead you to that soul-satisfying source of living water for your soul. And I don't think that's just a reality for the end times. I think that is a reality for us today. In fact, in some ways, we are living in the last of days where we will have this source of living water that the world will long for but can't find. What is amazing about this psalm is that he has a desire for a deeper relationship with God. But notice that his hunger and thirst for righteousness, his hunger and thirst for God is not happening in the good times. It's happening in the midst of a deep trial, in the midst of deep suffering, in the midst of deep pain, in the midst of very difficult circumstances. He longs in the pit of despair for a drink from the well. And so if you are walking through difficult circumstances, through a trial in your life, know that it is in those very circumstances that many times you find your most refreshing drinks from the fountain of living water. Number one, desire to have your soul's thirst satisfied with God. Number two, recognize that you are not alone in your struggle with discouragement. Recognize that you are not alone in your struggle with discouragement. Look at verse three. In verse three, he says, my tears have been my food day and night. That is the depth of the anguish of the psalmist's soul. While all day long, people say to me, where is your God? He feels like he is alone. People wonder 
Is that what you get when you serve God? Look at verses 9 and 10. Verses 9 and 10, however, he says, in the midst of all of that, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as if, I, as if crushing my bones. While all day long they say to me, where is your God? In the midst of the questioning, in the midst of a world that is wondering what is happening to this faithful believer, he is able to confess, God, even in the midst of this severe trial, you are my rock. You are my fortress. A present help in trouble. He remembered, even in the midst of the pain, that he was not alone. What's going on with the psalmist here? We know that he is experiencing some deep trouble in his life. In verse 3, he says that he is continually in tears. Why is he crying all the time? It's because the unbelievers around him are constantly mocking him. Is this what you get for serving your God? If your God is so good, why is your life so sorry? In verse 10, he describes the constant taunts of his adversaries as a deadly wound in his bones. It feels like death to me. The psalmist says he feels wounded on the inside. He feels like he is in a place where he cannot save himself and is totally dependent upon God in this moment to act on his behalf. And so he throws himself at the mercy and grace of his God. And while he feels attacked by the enemy, the psalmist at the same time wonders if he's been abandoned by God. Look at verse 9 again. In verse 9 he says, I will say to God, my rock, he reminds himself he is, God is the rock. But then he asks this question, why? Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow? Because of the enemy's oppression. Have you ever forgot, felt, have you ever felt forgotten by God? It's an uncomfortable question, isn't it? Have you ever felt in a moment in suffering in your life where you wondered, where did you go? What happened? You have that dark night of the soul. So many faithful believers throughout history have written about. It feels like you are praying for something, going night after night with tears, praying for something, and it feels like your prayers are just bouncing off the roof of your room and just bouncing around, hitting the floor, and never going anywhere. And you wonder what He's being honest with God, but he's not accusing God. I think that's a very important distinction to make. He's being honest with God. It feels like this, but he is not accusing God of anything. He is just simply asking, God, why does it feel like you've forgotten me sometimes? Why does life feel so hard? Why do my enemies of sin, the flesh and the devil, seem to have the upper hand in my life so often? Why does it feel like? You have forsaken me. He knows that God hasn't forsaken him. He's reminded himself already that God is his rock. He remembers that. But at the same time, he asks the question, God, I don't want to stay like this. I can't. 
but he presses into his rock. He presses into that firm foundation. Is there anybody else in Scripture that could pray and say, God, why have you forsaken me? Is there anybody else who walked through a moment when it felt like, where is heaven? Where is the Father? Oh, yeah. There's somebody else that can relate. There's somebody else that echoes the words of this psalmist, and actually in other psalms, there's someone else in the Scripture that can relate to those moments, in fact, even in a deeper way, at a deeper level than any of us have ever experienced the sinless Christ hung on a cross for our sins. And as He hung there, what did He cry out? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? He knew the pain of silence. He knew the pain of rejection, except he was not crying out because of his own sin. When Jesus hung on that cross, he hung there paying for our sins, for our rebellion, for our iniquities, for our sins. Jesus hung there on the cross and the wrath of God was poured out upon him. And for the first time in the history of everything, eternity past, eternity future, he felt the rejection of his Father as the weight of the wrath of God against sin was poured out. And as he atoned for sin, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, oh, you discouraged one. I want to encourage you today. You don't have to stay discouraged. The great thing about the gospel is there is a God who knows your pain, who knows what you're going through, who knows that moment of discouragement, who knows that moment of rejection. He knows what you're walking through, and He hung on a cross so that all of that could be overcome in your life so that you could have a relationship with God and know Him. Oh, you can know Him. Trust in Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Bible says you will be saved. That's the good news of the gospel. Through all of the struggles, through all of the pain, he, this psalmist still reminds himself that God is his rock. I saw a big rock on Tuesday this week. Over on Cannon Beach. <clears throat> I'd only seen it in a particular movie of my childhood. <laughs> but as I stood and Looked at that rock there on Cannon Beach. I think it's called Haystack. Is that right? I was like, that is a huge rock. And I was just stunned. I'm like, what do you do? Just, you just stand there and look at it until <laughs> you get too cold <laughs> from the rain. And I watched and I saw. It was really windy that day. In fact, the sand was just blowing over us. It was like... I was being sandblasted, but I'm like, I don't care. I got to see this. <laughs> but as I was watching, I watched as wave after wave crashed over that thing. The tide was coming in. The wave just crashed over it. Boom, 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 boom. And it was probably there for, we were there for over an hour. Jackson's like, I don't care about the cold. I'm building a sandcastle, and you're going to wait. <laughs> and so we did. You know what I saw that never happened? 
that rock never moved. It didn't matter how many waves hit it. It stayed there. Many of you have seen it before, and it's in the same place that it was when you saw it. It hasn't moved. And that is the rock that can orient us in the midst of discouragement. And that brings us to the final point, number three, determined to continually battle against discouragement. The key to this whole passage is in this, this reality that God is the psalmist's rock, and God is our immovable rock. And when it seems like all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. How do you work through discouragement? Let me give you several points from this psalm. Letter A, remember what God has done in the past. Remember, remember, don't forget. Look at verse 4. In verse 4, he says, I remember this as I pour out my heart. What is he going to remember? How I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God. With thankful and joyful shouts, he remembers times in his life where God who is faithful to me in the past will be faithful to me in the present and the future. That this season of despair, that this season of discouragement is exactly that. It's a season. It will not go on forever. It will not always be like this. That there is a better day coming. He remembers what God has done in the past. That time when he would walk up to the temple in the joyful, singing, worshiping throng to go to God with so much joy, so much gladness, so much focus on God with soul burning inside of him. Delight in Jesus. Remember those times. When was it? Was it a particular quiet time? was a particular season of aloneness with God where you just, you just worship God in your quiet time. Was it a particular service or a particular vacation Bible school or wherever it was in your life where, man, I remember, I remember that day. I remember that day when, when, when I just knew I, I met with God. And you remember those times and you stand, that, you stand that on the reality and the fact that Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same Jesus who burned in my soul years ago or months ago is the same Jesus that will one day again speak to my soul. And so I persevere through it. I remember what God has done for me in the past. You don't forget. Just this couple of weeks ago, I was, we've been trying to meet some of our neighbors, and we met some of our neighbors who are Asian, uh, Asian believers. We didn't know they were believers, but we just saw them walking around. We're like, hey, how's it going? Like, good, to, good to meet you. And we found out they were our neighbors. Found out their names are Hong and Richard. They, he said, remember, we're the HR department. <laughs> like, okay, I got it. <laughs> And so they live like five houses. So we went over there. They invited us over to dinner. And so we went over there the other, uh, about two weeks ago. And we found out when we were there, we didn't know if they were believers or not, but we found out when we were there that both of them are, are strong believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the whole time we just each shared our testimony about how we came. And they have incredible testimonies of how God worked sovereignly in their lives to bring them to Jesus. It was incredible. But I remember after every time, after sharing every story, I remember she would say the same thing. That's the Holy Spirit. Look at how God worked in your life. 
And I think we need to remind ourselves as believers those moments in our lives where we can look back in our lives and say, that was the Holy Spirit. And He hasn't changed. He's still my God. He's still my rock. I'm not giving up in this trial. Letter B, don't just listen to yourself. Preach to yourself. Don't just listen to yourself. You've got to preach to yourself. You to tell yourself what to think. Because sometimes you don't think what you need to think. You've got to learn to preach to yourself. One of the problems, I think, is that we listen to ourselves too much and we don't tell ourselves what to think. You have more control over the inner conversation that you have in your soul than you realize. You've got to speak to your soul at times. Look at verse 5. In verse 5, he's talking to himself. It's okay to talk to yourself. <laughs> I talk to myself all the time. You might go by my office and look in there like, who are you talking to? Oh, he's just talking to himself. <laughs> That's okay, because it's biblical. Look at verse 5. He's talking to himself. Soul, why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. He's, rem- he's talking to himself and reminding himself what's true. Don't always just listen to yourself. You've got to talk to yourself. Speak to yourself truth, the truth of God. Lloyd-Jones talks about this in one of his sermons, actually on this passage. He preached a whole series on spiritual depression, and there's a book on that. I I really recommend that book to you. Martin Lloyd-Jones' Spiritual Depression. Phenomenal book. Just his sermons are written down in a book on this topic. He writes the following, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, he asked. His soul has been distressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, Self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. What kinds of encouraging words can you learn to speak to yourself? Perhaps Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 35 would be something good to learn to memorize and speak to yourself. Listen, self, if God is for you, who can be against you? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for you, how will he not also with him graciously give you all things? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that he was raised he is at the right hand of god he's interceding for you self self who can separate you from the love of christ remind yourself of the love of christ and remind yourself of the answer to that question who can separate you from the love of christ what is the answer to that question nobody nothing learn to preach to yourself learn to preach to yourself let her see Remember God's sovereign love. Look at verses 7 and 8 and verse 10. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send His faithful love by day. His song will be over me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. Look at verse 10. If my adversary, my adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones while all day long they are saying to me, where is your God? So in the midst of all of the billows, he reminds himself of the sovereignty of God. 
that every one of the trials that you experience in your life are allowed for a purpose by the sovereign hand of God. That He has a point, He has a purpose, He is allowing it for a reason, and you simply have to learn to trust Him, trust His heart, even when you cannot trace His hands. When you don't understand why, you just trust that. Remember, He, in this psalm, in verses 7 and 8, He says, these are your breakers. These are your billows. These are your waves. I don't know why they're coming. And I don't know why they're so thick. But I trust you. And I trust that you'll be the rock in the midst of all this that will sustain my soul. And so you rest on His unchanging grace. When all around your soul gives way, He then is all your hope and stay. Trust in the sovereign love of God. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says this, in the midst of a man who was suffering greatly, he says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Letter D, pray and sing. Learn to pray and sing in the midst of discouragement. Learn to pray, learn to sing. We see that in verse eight. He is praying to the Lord. The Lord will send us faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. In the night, in the dark hour of the soul, he has learned one of the secrets of seeking joy in the midst of discouragement is prayer, is singing. Now, you may not like to sing. You may not be a good singer. Then throw on some good Christian music and and listen to some good stuff. Some of you are more modern worship. Some of you all are more like Gaither. Some of you all are more him. That's okay. Find what speaks to your soul that brings truth in song and listen to it and let the Lord bless you through modern and ancient psalmists to lift up your heart and soul. To lift yourself. To be lifted up by the blessing of others. Listen to good music. And also pray. I think the reason why the devil fights so hard against prayer and why prayer is so hard is because he knows that prayer is like a lance that's going to be aimed right at him. And it's how you fight for your joy. is you fight for joy with prayer. Prayer is this lance that you can use in your spiritual warfare that will fight the devil for your joy. And you fight him. How do you fight the discourager? You fight the discourager on your knees. You fight him on your knees. That's why it's hard. That's why sometimes it's the last thing you want to do. In the midst of your discouragement, the last thing you want to do is get on and pray. But it's the needful thing. The fact is, it's the very thing that will put the enemy to flight. Pray and sing. Finally, letter E, don't give up. Don't give up. Verse 11. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. He said that before. Look at Psalm 43, verse 5. Why, are you my, why, uh, why my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. Why does He repeat that so much? Why is that in more than one psalm? It's because 
when I talk to myself, I have to remind myself that I just talked to myself and remind myself what I just said to myself. <laughs> Anybody there with me? Because <laughs> I forget. <laughs> I don't remember. You have to persevere in these things. Fighting for joy is not a one-time thing. Fighting for joy is over and over and over and over. And you have to be relentless in this fight because we know the adversary is relentless, but we also know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And we know that our God is victorious. So, fellow discouraged one, those who have walked through these times of despair and discouragement, I want to encourage you today. You're not alone. And you're not weird. You're not abnormal and you're not a lesser of a Christian. This psalm was written for you. The cry on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was for you. And I want to encourage you, continue to remind yourself the truth of God and continue to fight this battle against discouragement, knowing that God is your everlasting rock. He will never be moved and you will enter into his joy one day, once again. Let's stand, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that your word is so honest and real. Especially in these Psalms, Lord, it just speaks to our souls. It gives voice to the reality of what life is like between the times of walking with God in a sinful world, a sin-sick world, when we're still dealing with stuff in our lives and we deal with the world and indwelling sin. And just the life in a world that's still fallen. And so, Lord, I pray for each one in this room. I know each one in different ways has felt the pain of discouragement whether that be in their own soul recently or even right now, or maybe, maybe with a friend or maybe with a loved one or with a spouse, that they are walking with discouragement with someone who is discouraged. And so, Lord, I pray for each of them. Lord, I pray that you would help us all put our hope in God, put our hope in your word, put our hope in our rock. Help us to remind ourselves of your truth day by day. Help us to remember those times that you have worked in the past and remember that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, help us to stand firm in your truth in trying times. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time of response. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray.